0: i'm very happy to be here (laughs) it's a line from a movie and it's uh it's funny mike pence uh vice president uh choice for donald trump you didn't have a grand announcement uh unfortunately Uh, because of the events that took place in Nice and and honestly some of the mishandling uh, inside the Trump campaign as you got the word early Thursday in drips and drabs that Mike Pence was going to be uh, the choice for vice president uh, on on the Trump ticket. Mike Pence said that uh, he was excited and very humbled and grateful to be the uh, VP choice for the presumptive nominee. He, he said, as he stood next to his wife, that we love Indiana, we love our country, my family and I couldn't be more honored to run and serve with the next president of the United States. Pence and his family uh, ducked into a waiting car. The disciplined communicator ignored the shouted questions of reporters, uh, that, that according to the uh, reporting from the USA Today. When did you know Trump was going to pick you? Were you at all worried that Donald Trump would change his mind? Did you see Hamilton last night? Pence had flown to New Jersey Thursday for what was to be a Friday announcement, but Trump tweeted the event would be canceled because of uh, because of what happened uh, in Nice. National reporters camped out at the Indiana Secretary of State's office Friday morning to see if Pence, who had been seeking reelection, would meet the noon deadline to withdraw as a candidate. About an hour before the deadline, Trump tweeted he chose, uh, chose Pence. That didn't end questions about the delay. CNN reported that Trump was so unsure about Pence, he asked his top aides late Thursday if he could change his mind. Jason Miller, Trump's senior comms advisor, told ABC News that Trump never hesitated after choosing him. The clumsiness of the rollout seemed to harken back to the last time a Hoosier was selected as a presidential candidate, uh, running mate. uh, Dan Quayle in 88. Pence is also a relatively unknown uh, nationally. The campaign of the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton was quick to offer a shot, uh, arguing that Pence is the most extreme pick in a generation for vice president. That means nothing hilarious. Uh, hilarious, Clinton's going to tell you, he's extreme. He's, you are an absolute whack job if you think an extreme choice for VP is going to, is going to uh, uh, alter the, uh, the, the, the state of the run, number one. Number two... If you really think you can make this argument that uh, that that that's going to do him in, you're crazy. It doesn't mean anything to anybody out there. Trump is the president. Think about it. Trump is the president if he's elected. Mike Pence is the vice president. Do you know how much you're going to see Mike Pence? once trump is the president i mean i mean other than at the state of the union other at big announcements uh other at the inauguration other than uh you know out on the campaign trail or or you know making different remarks and addresses around the country how much do you see joe biden i really how much do you see joe biden not that much except for when he was in charge of the stimulus except for when he was helping to push the obamacare stuff um except for times when there was like national crisis and you needed a guy to be the yelling at America in chief guy. Joe Biden is not really present. Dick Cheney for as much as the press wrote about the guy, you didn't see him a lot in the limelight. You, you didn't see him out there uh, doing a bunch of uh, uh, st- stuff. You'll see Pence on the Sunday show once in a while. You'll, you'll see him uh, making speeches, uh, interacting with people on Capitol Hill. But there's a reason, uh, Pence is the veep and Trump will be at the top of the ticket. And that's because Trump will be the president in that model in the same way that when Hillary Clinton chooses Elizabeth Warren as her, as her vice president. And I have no doubt that she will because she wants to prove that she is 1000 percent pro woman uh, and she's going to pull the most divisive possible candidate uh, in the history of ever as her uh, as her veep. Um, it's You're not going to see Elizabeth Warren very much other than in the debate with Pence when she's going to fly in on her broom, land, and scream at Mike Pence and America about how rotten we are. How, you didn't build that. You think you're a good person. You didn't build that. Uh, Okay. Good luck selling that. Good luck selling that to the heartland. You've got a strong populist message coming from Trump. You've got a A strong message coming from Pence that's different. It's a strong social conservative message. It's a strong message that speaks to uh, the values of of the heartland of the United States. You're not going to win the presidency just by winning California, uh, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and Florida. Sorry. You're going to have to do a little bit better. You're not going to win the presidency just by winning blue states, Hillary. It's not going to work. There's a wide swath of America who, A, can't stand you, B, doesn't trust you, and C, uh, knows exactly what you're about by your own words. A third term of a president who has killed jobs, gone to war with coal and, and other industries he doesn't like, and sought to expand the federal government at the most alarming rate in American history. Oh, yeah. And he added $10 trillion to the debt while you're at it. So Pence comes out. He's not perceived as extreme. He's perceived as smart. He's perceived as an idea guy. And, and for people who want to come out and try to make this argument, he's not exciting. He's not an exciting candidate. You are the same morons who have told us For a year, that the presidential run of Donald Trump is too exciting and unconventional and scares you. Try to be a little more consistent if you possibly could. I'm begging you here. You've been the people who've been running around telling us that Trump's dangerous. He's a loose cannon. Who did you want him to pick? Uh, David Lee Roth from Van Halen? I like David Lee Roth. I think he's smart. He'd be a good VP. But I mean, you've already got one rock and roll lead singer. You don't need two. You need a a solid bassist or a drummer. And that's, that's what Pence gives you. He's not dangerous. He's not extreme. He's extreme if you're a whack. 90% of the American people have no idea who he is. And that's a strength. Because They're going to tune in to find out what he's about. And I think they're going to see him at the convention. Uh, When will he speak? Wednesday night? Wednesday night, I think. Um, They're going to see him at the convention. And they're going to look at him and go, dude, looks like a VP. I mean, the number one test is the eye test in America, right? Does the guy look like a VP? Does he look like somebody you would listen to? Does he look like somebody you could work with? Huge, huge, huge. You watch this guy speak, you're going to be like, looks like a VP. I'm no fan of Paul Ryan. I mean, I don't like a lot about what Paul Ryan has done. But if you go back to 2012, when he spoke at the convention, he came off as a personable, likable VP choice for Romney. Romney's gone absolutely haywire loco in the last uh, eight months. Ryan's been a pretty solid guy, number one. Number two, he came off as a guy who was competent to lead the country, and in fact, I think so endeared himself to much of America that you had in Paul Ryan, a guy that people felt very comfortable seeing going into the role as Speaker of the House when Boehner was run from office. Now, let's speak to the conservative base here for a second. Mike Pence was a a strong soldier taking on John Boehner. Mike Pence, when he was in the House— Had a 100% lifetime rating, a 100% lifetime rating from the American Conservative Union, the ACU. Hugely important. Vitally important. He's a guy who is a solid rock-ribbed conservative. But he's also a guy who I think uh, is going to bring a sense of competency to the administration, Many people have pointed to Chris Christie and said he'd be a great attorney general. Uh, Newt Gingrich would be great as secretary of state. I believe Pence would be a strong leveling force in a room with giant egos. I mean, you get a room with Trump, Newt, Chris Christie. Oh, my God. You're going to have to have an oxygen tank because that's all going to get absorbed. Pence brings that level headedness. I think that's needed and necessary. Follow me on Twitter at Winterbull Show and email me anytime, Brett at Brett Winterbull Show. It is The Brett Winterbull Show. You want more evidence that there really is a difference between the West and um, the Islamic world? Let me give you this one. By the way, it's Brett Winterbull. Welcome back. An internet celebrity who pushed the boundaries of what's considered acceptable behavior for women in Pakistan was murdered by her brother in an honor killing, according to the cops. Kandil Baloch, a 26-year-old who's described as the country's Kim Kardashian, died at her parents' house in the central city of Multan in Pakistan. They said they would know after an autopsy if Baloch died Friday or uh, early Saturday. According to preliminary investigations and statements from her parents, her brother uh, strangled her. So her brother strangled her. Azar Akram, Multan's police chief, said he and the authorities were searching for her brother. The police said the initial investigation pointed to an honor killing, though all the angles are possible. Balach, whose real name was uh, Fazia Azim, became one of the country's best-known media figures for posting videos and selfies on her social media accounts, which have hundreds of thousands of followers. Many of her videos, including one where she offered to strip tease if Pakistan... Uh, beat India in a cricket match, enraged conservative Pakistanis. While there was no nudity in her social media posts, critics said her commentary poses and clothes were inappropriate, overly sexual and violated Pakistani and Islamic norms. Her murder is likely to reignite the debate about honor killings in Pakistan. Over 1000 women were killed in incidents last year. 1000 women. Where the hell? Are the feminists in America talking about this? Is, is anybody talking about this in the United States? Is anybody hitting this? Most recently, Baloch, or Baloch drew nationwide attention for her selfies with Abdul Kavi, a prominent Islamic cleric. Mr. Kavi was criticized by religious circles for meeting with her and suspended from a religious panel. Although she received opprobrium, From some circles, Ms. Baloch was praised by many Pakistanis for refusing to adhere to the society's restrictions on women and for standing up to conservatives. I believe I'm a modern-day feminist. I believe in equality. I need not choose what type of women uh, to be. She posted on her Facebook page on Friday, I don't think there's any need to label ourselves just for the sake of society. Baloch said at a news conference that her life was in danger and asked the government to provide security. She also said she was considering leaving Pakistan with her parents because of the threats that she didn't specify. Rights groups have demanded swift investigations and punishment in the wake of several high-profile honor killings uh, this year, as well as stronger legislation. Uh, Hashtag Kandil Baloch killed in an hashtag honor killing. How many women have to die before you pass an anti-honor killing bill? Tweeted a Pakistani filmmaker, Sharmeen Obied Chinoy, who won the uh, Academy Award this year for her documentary on honor killings. Provisions in Pakistani law allow the family of an honor killing victim to forgive the murderer which critics say allows perpetrators who are often family members to escape punishment you want a you want a complete and total indictment a complete and total indictment of the rotting carcass and corpse that is um that is multiculturalism you've got it right there you have it right there in stereo that is 100% what's wrong. What's wrong with, the, with people trying to tell you and to tell me that we're just like everybody else. We're, we're no better than any other country. There's no reason to think. That, that we're any better than Pakistan. We're just like, we're as bad as Pakistan. We treated the Indians shabbily. We had slavery. We had uh, abuse of women and uh, homosexuals. And um, we learn from our lessons. America is not a final product. I believe the Constitution is a final product until we decide to amend the Constitution. But um, here's a secret. America is not a final product. We are constantly learning and advancing and retreating. And advancing and retreating and advancing and retreating. If you are an adherent to Islam, to Sharia, the laws of Sharia. I'm not I'm not talking about a contemporary American citizen who goes to the mosque to worship. No problem with religious freedom encourage religious freedom or the absence of religion i know what my belief is i'm in the church i love the church i believe the church is the is the way to salvation i believe the church is a force for good in our world but i also understand there are people who don't believe that and i'm not going to take a sword and force you to believe what i believe I'm not going to abuse you or threaten you or intimidate you into doing that. Islam is a finished product. It has never had a reformation. It has never had uh, any kind of a, a, of, of, a, of a rehabilitation of beliefs. And you have you have set in stone prohibitions, and calls for specific action in that faith that are fundamentally incompatible with American values. Let me say it again. You have beliefs that are fundamentally incompatible with American beliefs and values inside of Islam and Sharia. Newt Gingrich caught a ration of hell for suggesting that people who are loyal to Sharia and not to the U.S. Constitution should not be permitted to emigrate into the United States. He is 100% correct. Now, there are people who will say, and I'll get back to Pakistan here in a second, there are people who will tell you, you can't do that. You're going to talk to somebody and they're going to deceive you. Okay, they're going to deceive you. But surprisingly, jihadists and radicals who are from overseas, are amazingly honest and forthcoming when it comes to what they believe, especially as it relates to Sharia, because to them, Sharia, uh, Islam and Sharia is the only pathway forward. And so if you ask them, is it right to kill an unbeliever? Is it okay to do an honor killing? If you're emigrating into the United States from from Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, any of the trash in Central Asia— um, they'll be honest with you. They'll tell you, they'll be like, yeah, of course I could kill. I'd kill my daughter. if She did that. I'll totally kill, I'll kill my daughter all day, every day. If she, uh, wears a skirt that's too short or talks to boys. So you look at that, and you go, okay, you're not going to get to come into the United States. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that I'm condemning your children to a life of hell, but I can't risk that you're going to come in and spread this virulent political ideology. You don't have a right to emigrate into the United States. There, there is no Right to become an American. You can desire to become an American. On my show in San Diego, I get a call every other day from a particular caller named Simon. Simon is an interesting guy. Simon and I have a, uh, have a love hate relationship. We, we both love to hate each other, but n- not hate like violent, just eye rolling kind of hate. And he, he called me, he called into my show on, uh, On Friday of this week and he said to me I chose to come to the United States my parents brought me here when I was young I came from Iran and I'm a Christian and I was taken in by the American people and I was raised by people in the United States Navy uh, who were my neighbors who took care of me and they made sure of one thing that I was assimilated into American culture that I assimilated into American values and then i became an american and it was his position from from where he sat that we had to understand from the perspective of an immigrant and he's an immigrant that the only reason why immigrants ought to be allowed to come into the united states is that they choose to assimilate he's right if you want to be an american you get to come here because you want to be american That's vitally important. That is vitally key. There are people who want to come here because they want to live like they're still in Pakistan and just happen to be in the United States. Geographically, they're in the U.S., but they want to live like they're still in Pakistan. Doesn't work that way. I'm Brett Whittable. It's a Brett Whittable show. I am Brett Whittable. It is The Brett Whittable Show. I am thrilled you're there. I'm happy you're there. Let's do some great things. Let's talk about some great things here. Let's talk about political correctness gone totally screwy and uh, run amok. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the United States Navy. Yeah, you ready for this? Are you all ready for this? The United States Navy has been badgered and harassed and hassled by environmentalists for such a long time. And uh, now the U.S. Navy is being ordered to uh, lower sonar levels to protect whales. U.S. officials have wrongly allowed the Navy to use sonar levels that could harm whales and other marine mammals in the world's oceans, according to a federal appeals court in San Francisco, the decision Friday by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals would scale back the Navy's use of low-frequency sonar in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Indian Oceans and the Mediterranean Sea under the authority that was granted in 2012. Sonar used to detect submarines can injure whales and walruses and seals and disrupt their feeding and mating according to environmental idiot groups. Yeah, I, I put idiot in there on purpose. The Natural De- uh, Resources Defense Council filed a suit in San Francisco uh, in 2012- arguing that the Obama administration had approved emissions at sound levels that violated the Marine Mammal Protection Act. federal magistrate disagreed, was overruled Friday by the appeals court, which said the government officials had disregarded their own experts' warnings. Under the 2012 standard, which is scheduled to expire in 2017, the National Marine Fisheries Service required the Navy to reduce sonar levels in areas known to have high populations of marine mammals, but failed to order similar protections in other areas where their presence was uncertain. Those included offshore zones that had been protected in the past and others listed by scientists as, quote, likely habitats. Likely. Not possible. The protected zones showed a bias toward U.S. waters. Racism in whale protection. That's outstanding. The protected zones showed a bias toward U.S. waters, the court said, with several zones on the Atlantic and Pacific coasts of the U.S., but none on the Pacific coast of South America and only scattered uh, in a few other waters. The result is that a meaningful proportion of the world's marine mammal habitat is underprotected, said Judge Ronald Gould in a 3-0 ruling, which would set the standards for future renewals of the program. Said the government failed to comply. And so a judge is making defense policy. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Judge Gould, You're an idiot. First of all, likely habitat doesn't mean there's a habitat. Last I checked, and I could be wrong, last I checked, the ocean is a large body of water covering 70% of the Earth's surface. Fish and whales and squids, and octopuses, and sea snails, and crabs, and lobsters, and shrimp, I'm hungry, all move all over the oceans. They do. Go figure. They just go all over the ocean. See, I know this is hard for you to understand because you're a federal judge in San Francisco and you view the lens of everything through the lens of environmentalism and green action and stupidity. But uh, your dishonor, let me say this. And I mean this with no due respect to your dishonor. You you don't understand. um, Fish move around. Whales move around. And yes, there's habitat. That's nice. It's a nice word. I'm envisioning a crying Indian on a horse because of pollution in a river, because of litter in a river back in the 1970s. You idiots are all stuck in the 1970s. It's not like the Navy's using sonar in Lake Michigan. It's, it's not like the Navy is using a sonar um, on the streets of New York to make Black Lives Matter and Occupy protesters go crazy. Um, fish move. Whales move. I have a feeling that if they hear the racket, they probably get try to get away from it. But, Brett, they can hear it everywhere. Okay. They can hear it everywhere. So why don't we just scrap it? Why don't you just go for what you really want to go for, which is I want to cut the, uh, the hoo has off the military entirely so they can't protect any of us. See, judges like this exist and can be judges only because some moron politician appointed him. I thought earlier this week, in the wake of what happened with Hillary Clinton, um, mismanaging the State Department. I, I thought it was time, and I-, and I still stand by this, I think it's time to shut down the State Department and, and maybe create some new iteration of-, of a State Department and permanently unemploy all the people working in the State Department. Now I think the next president ought to work with the Congress and the Senate to shut down the Ninth Circuit because this has become a rat's nest of idiocy. And I would, uh, I would reform the Ninth Circuit, not anywhere near San Francisco. I would reform the Ninth Circuit, and I would put it in, uh, in the Sierras. I'd, I'd put it up there uh, somewhere like Lake Tahoe, where pinko commies don't want to live, because it's like America. And then I think you'd get a better quality judge. And think about this. If, if you're going to appoint somebody to the Ninth Circuit and you put it in San Francisco, you're going to have every nutbag— Pinko leftist from Von Walker to this Ronald Gould guy uh, clamoring to get appointed to the ninth circuit. I think you want to put it in a fairly inhospitable place. Um, yeah I think I think the I think the Sierras would work. I I put them up in like Markleyville, California, way up in the mountain passes and put the uh, put put them there where they have to sit in a cabin. That's where I would put the courthouse. And then the people wouldn't want Uh, to to be appointed to the Ninth Circuit, except for people who really love it, who really love living like that. And that's not pinko kami latte-sipping, slurping leftists. We don't... I don't want to live in a country where a judge gets to tell the military how to make their policy any more than I want to live in a country any more than I want to live in a country where the the, uh, military tells the judges how to rule. Does that make sense? Are you following what I'm saying here? I don't want to live in a country where judges make military policy or the military makes judicial policy. Because to me, that is foolish. You may be noticing I have a tension detector going off. Every time I get a little crazy and my blood pressure goes up, you hear the (laughs) just trying to keep me in check. I also don't want to end up uh, being held in contempt because I say nasty things about federal judges, even though I don't really care what they think. But the fact of the matter is, you're a federal judge, and you don't know a dang thing about Navy policy or sonar or anything. And the natural resource the Defense Council doesn't know anything about it. They just know that when they're vacationing over in Turkey and a coup breaks out, they're going to freak out, and they're going to hope that somebody will just come and save them. Won't somebody come and save me? It's so dangerous and scared. I have my blanket and I'm nervous. I'm hiding under the table. Please, somebody save me. It'll be the military that comes and saves you, by the way. Uh, you guys are going to sit there, I hate the military. They do mean things to the, to the turtles. And they, and, and they do mean things to the, to, to the whales. Uh, yes, yes they do. But they keep us safe. And they keep us secure. And they protect us. And here's the deal. If you do not uh, understand that we have to have sonar on ships, you're nuts. You're nuts. Here's the deal. We, We need to sit back here and we need to listen, and we need to understand that there are real and present threats out here facing us. And when the you-know-what hits the fan, the judges are not going to protect you. It's going to be guys with equipment that can kill. It's going to be guys who have the ability to take you down and to protect you. Not, 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 not take you down, but you understand what I'm saying who take the bad guys down and who protect us. Coming up, Pokemon Go and Black Lives Matter. I'm Brett Whittable. I'm Brett Whittable. It is the Brett Whittable Show. All right, let me hit you with this. Black Lives Matter was in the headlines a lot this week until they weren't. And this is not to say that I don't think this is not to say that I believe Black Lives Matters have illegitimate concerns. Like any social movement, any political movement, um, different organizations, different organizations um, are going to have good things about them and they're going to have very bad things about them. Different organizations are going to have positions that I can understand and positions that I wholeheartedly reject. I have friends that are sympathetic to the Black Lives Matter movement. I also have friends uh, who are concerned about police brutality and use of force issues and overly aggressive policing. In our system, and I mentioned this earlier, we have the ability to correct our course. We have the ability to uh, be heading in one direction and then say, you know what? This is really not who we are. We want to change it. We want to go back uh, in a different direction. That's great. That's awesome. But let me say this. While the majority of Black Lives Matter protesters may be well-intentioned people who want to uh, effect or execute uh, a real change for the better, and they want to improve relations between the police and the so-called community, there is a large percentage of people at the same time who have no interest in goodwill, who have no interest in uh, finding a better relationship or a better pathway forward between the two groups. The true tragedy of the attack in Dallas by Micah X, the terrorist, was this. Dallas happens to be a place that gets it right when it comes to policing. You can ask the most pinko commies... Uh, out there they'll tell you that you could ask the mayor of dallas a big democrat mike rawlings he'll tell you that you can ask um david brown the police chief who has wowed so many people as a real hero this past week and he'll tell you we've made huge strides with the community and to have this maniac come into dallas and murder cops sets back that effort in a huge way but there's something more at work here i mean it's social change it's activism it's the summer and as I head to Cleveland for the for the uh, for the camp uh, for the uh, convention week, uh, I, I want to tell you this, and I think it's interesting. I know Black Lives Matter protesters are going to be coming in there, and I know some of them are coming in to make trouble. They're coming in, they want to riot, they want to have a showdown with the cops, they want to fight the cops, whatever it is. But I also understand that there are going to be people who are people of goodwill, who mean well, who who want to go in there and. Um, and maybe affect the political change. And many of the people who march to remember Philandro Castile or Alton Sterling uh, are motivated by the right thing. But there's a large number that are motivated by stupidity and a desire for violence and confrontation. There's always going to be that group of people. But let us not lose sight of something that can occasionally be really funny. There was scheduled here in San Diego a Black Lives Matter protest on Thursday night of this week. Things didn't go as expected. Now, many of you know from watching the news coverage or listening to my show, uh, if you listen to my show Monday through Friday on 760-KFMB in San Diego, you can listen to it online if you're not in the market. We uh, commit every day to giving you a Pokemon Go update, where we give you the weird and the wacky out of the Pokemon Go conversation. The weird and the wacky of the Pokemon Go conversation this week centered on People doing stupid things, crashing their cars, crashing their bikes, walking off of cliffs, uh, getting arrested, guy getting stabbed and continuing to play Pokemon, people exhausting their dogs as they spend hours and hours out there on Pokemon, uh, a guy who quit his job so as to become a full-time Pokemon Go hunter, uh, a number of these uh, crazy, wacky, nutty stories. And here was my absolute favorite of the week. Black Lives Matter decided they were going to have a protest in Oceanside, California. For people that may have military experience, that's the the city adjacent to Camp Pendleton, uh, the huge marine base here uh, in San Diego. So it was going to be a march from the Oceanside Pier into the city of Oceanside, into into town, and then they were going to go about their business. So the meetup place was going to be the Oceanside Pier. So it was like 6 o'clock Thursday night, they were going to have a protest. There's only one problem. When the protesters arrived at the Oceanside Pier... They found the Oceanside Pier teeming with Pokemon Go players. Nobody was really there for the Black Lives Matter protest. Instead, they were there because they were hunting Pokemon. Pokemon? Pokemons? I don't play Pokemon Go. I think it's idiocy for adults to play a game like this. I'm good with it with the kids, but with the adults, I, I, I really, it raises big questions for me. So here were these Black Lives Matter protesters, and they were all set to effect change and to create a new America and uh, do something with the cops. and, And they were thwarted by a bunch of people looking at the world through their phones. And the irony was not lost on me, because what do we see at every arrest? What do we see at every interaction with the police? What do we see at every Black Lives Matter protest? Thousands and thousands of cell phones in the air filming and documenting every moment of the protest in the hopes that they will uncover some previously unknown police brutality breaking out right there on the streets. And what did you have in this case? You had the same Black Lives Matter protesters being thwarted by Pokemon Go players who were (laughs) living their life looking through their cell phones, looking for mythical invisible creatures, getting them points that won't really get them anywhere in life, but will make them feel important because they've got a Pokemon The irony was not lost on me. As I watched these social activists getting out there, getting ready to blast the cops with speech, obviously, not literally. And here they were thwarted by a bunch of goofy people running around trying to get fictional characters on the Oceanside Pier. Well, things didn't go well for the Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, Finally, the organizers called it a night. They shut it down because you couldn't tell who was a Black Lives Matter protester and who was a Pokemon Go hunter. That's no way to run a protest. We came here to protest, dang it. We have to be able to protest. And if we can't protest, and we can't get our message out, then what the hell's going on? What are we gonna do about this? We got a problem on our hands. Reality is, democracy is a weird, icky, sticky kind of a thing. And the only thing that's gonna like kinda paper over it is is when you end up with a, a bunch of people out there hunting invisible creatures. And isn't that somehow a metaphor for America? We're always hunting this invisible perfection that's always elusive and ever-changing. Today, it's equal rights for this group or not enough rights for that group or take away the rights of those people. Ultimately, we all get undone by the power of not just social media, but a vapid social media. The hunt for Pokemon in a world being driven mad by terrorist attacks, in a world where half the country wants to have a revolution between black people and white people and uh, cops and civilians. You still have a group of people whose only interest is to get outside, walk around with their dog, hang out with their goofball nerdy friends and chase fictional invisible characters. While the world is on fire, half of the world wants a revolution. The other half is definitely in search of a, a Snorlax or a Pikachu. I have no idea what those are. I never played Pokemon, but part of me thinks it's awfully funny that these people who are out there trying to uh, rouse rabble were undone by a bunch of geeks looking at life through their phones. I'm just happy none of them walked off the pier. I'm Brett Witterbull. That's going to do it for us in this edition. We'll talk to you next time on The Brett Witterbull Show.